Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Reminder before we start the show that TickPick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner of Purple Insider and the Blue Wire Network. All right, let's get to the show. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, and it is once again time for some Monday morning Murph. And Murph, you know, in the offseason when we talked about you coming on board, writing columns, doing podcasts each week reacting to these games, you know, I I, got to tell you the truth. I envisioned days like this. I envisioned disappointing Vikings losses that only you would be able to master the English English language and put together into words just how brutal the Vikings lost to Cooper Rush was. I never dreamed that they would lose to Cooper Rush or that he would play in this football game. But I think we knew there might be times like this, Brian, and I'm glad to have you here. So good morning. Well, good morning, and I hope people actually go read the thing instead of listening to us talking about it because um... – <laughs> That is the point, right? <laughs> we're, we're supplementing the uh, the written word today. Yeah, that was, um, you know, everybody dusted off their Halloween cliches because it was perfect, you know, um, ghastly loss and scary and, you know, masked contempt. And, uh, yeah, I, I, and I was guilty of it, too. But I what what struck me most was they the Vikings are frauds. And. They have been frauds. They've been frauds all season long. And they've been frauds, frankly, for quite a while. I think since their victory in the wildcard game at the Superdome uh, almost two years ago, they've been frauds. You know, they didn't want you to think that. You know, they, they, they the, the whole, the, the, all the talking points this season have been, you know, play a player two here or there, much more talented than, than our record would belie. We're three and three going on five and one. No, you're a fraud. You're an absolute fraud. And I think they they must have a sticker above the locker room as they head out onto the field, kind of like Notre Dame's, you know, play like a champion. And all 53 of these guys slap that sign, play not to lose. Because that is the slogan right now. They are playing not to lose. They are coaching scared. They are playing scared and they are paying the consequences right now because this is a team with no killer instinct, no sense of urgency, uh, no sense of the moment, way too talented to be this underachieving. And they're, you know, this is on the verge of completely unraveling. 
That it is, Murph. Uh, and so I was just trying to pull up last night um, all the moments that the Vikings had where they could have just, here you go, nail in the coffin if you want to stick with Go the for Halloween. the jugular. Yeah. Step but, on the gas. I called you a ghoul last night when I texted you <laughs> after the game. But uh, there were many. I'm sure I could get it in the play-by-play, uh, you know, on the box score. But the one that really stands out to me is after they strip-sacked Cooper Rush and they got the ball back, it was like, okay. Building's well, this, jumping. This is, right. This is the moment. Finally, the crowd has started to get behind the Vikings. By the way, probably the quietest game in that sort of stage and I think it was because there was a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans there. Yeah, every it time, sounded like it on yep, the broadcast. Yep. Every time Amari Cooper caught the ball, they were not booing. I've never seen the Vikings boo a random wide receiver. They were saying Coop. Uh, so there were a lot of Dallas Cowboys fans there. And they actually started cheering on the final drive, trying to disrupt Kirk Cousins, because I think a lot of Vikings fans had walked out in disgust. So that was an interesting little development. But um you know, I thought, okay, now, all right, he's messed up enough times. He's thrown an interception. Now he's fumbled. Now they're going to do it. And it doesn't happen. And then you think, all right, three unnecessary roughing penalties on <laughs> one drive. They've given you 45 free yards since you decided, and I'll, I'll give the referees some credit for this. Look, uh, I, I won't go into a rant about this, but this unnecessary roughness against quarterbacks it has become an epidemic that like the NFL does not seem to know how to solve, but just touching someone to the ground, leaning to to sack them as they release the ball and then falling on them as inertia works or whatever. uh, That is not a 15 yard penalty in any universe. Okay. So anyway, but aside from that, so they give you a fumble, they give you three 15-yard penalties. This was not, Murph, a situation where Mike White randomly got hot and played great against you. It was the other team gave you every opportunity in the world. I think that's what makes it like, truly one of the most horrendous losses that they have had, maybe in the whole Mike Zimmer era, is that it wasn't like you just got outplayed. It wasn't like they got a punt return for a touchdown or something. It was they tried to give it to you and you refused to take it. And they finally said, okay, we'll win. Yeah. They had, they won the turnover battle. Vikings had two turnovers. Um, They, well, here's, here's, you know, you mentioned the, the gift penalties they got on that final drive that ended only with another Greg Joseph field goal, but you got the ultimate gift uh, at six o'clock at night when the Dallas Cowboys, despite, at least as I was reading on Twitter, it sounded like Zach Prescott was ready to climb Mount Everest with his pregame routine. And suddenly the brass gets together and says, now, nah, why don't you sit down? We're going to go with Cooper here on the road, by the way, uh, that's a team playing with confidence in house money. Uh, and, and the Vikings, maybe they just thought, well, you know what? We can just kind of mail this one in because we don't have to go up against Dak Prescott. And, uh, no, lo and behold, uh, Cooper Rush, undrafted afterthought, comes in and throws for 325 yards, um, and his money down the stretch when he had to be uh, on a game-winning drive. And I, I, you know, I was reading some quotes from Xavier Woods, uh, who basically said, "No, we weren't preparing for him at all. We were preparing for Prescott." 
Now that's either egregious uh, misreading of a potential injury situation and unpreparedness on behalf of the Vikings or the ultimate gamesmanship by the Cowboys to basically make it appear that Prescott was going to play all week long and moments before kickoff until he wasn't. Either way, inexcusable, undeniably uh, underachieving. I, I just, th- this is a team, when I'm, the Vikings, that just, they cannot seem to grasp uh, when they have an opponent by the throat. And, and when opportunity knocks, they fail every time to deliver that knockout blow. And when you think about it, they've got victories against Detroit, Cleveland, and Seattle. Three teams re- going various degrees of nowhere this season. And you've had, or Carolina too, I'm sorry. What, what, oh, wait, I'm sorry. I screwed that all up, didn't I? The, the, the Cleveland beat them. They, they did beat Carolina. Again, three wins against teams going nowhere. You can clean this up in post-production, can't you? Sure can. Okay. Um, This, their, their inability to rise to the occasion. You know, this is the eighth year of Mike Zimmer. It's your fourth season with Kirk. I mean, if you're not rising to the occasion now, when are you going to? I mean, I, I, I don't see a way out of this because they're playing and coaching scared and you, you cannot succeed in this league in 2021 playing that way. We wake up this morning, Murph, and the Vikings are 18th in scoring and 12th in points against. I mean, it's just the same old song and dance. And so I wanted to ask you, well, first I want to ask you if you had other observations from the game that you wanted to talk about, because I've got a couple of sort of bigger questions or ways to frame the important questions with this team. Um, It is remarkable, though, with Cooper Rush, how like he didn't even play well, like at any point in this game until the very last drive. And even then he luck boxed into an unbelievable Amari Cooper catch that will go down and sort of the all time, like put that in the Nate pool bucket Yeah, for the all time. Can't believe that happened. Drew Pearson Um, pushing off. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that was an unbelievable play, but also goes under the, only in games like this do people make plays like that. Uh, although I'll say C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper, the real deal. And you know what's weird, Murph? They threw them the football. I don't know if you're supposed to do that when you have two unstoppable wide receivers. You throw them the football, no matter who the quarterback is, all the time. It seems like a pretty universally good plan. Um, well, well, another thing, you know, if if you need um, 12 yards to get a first down, it's not illegal to throw a 14 yard pass. Is it as, as Cooper rush did a couple of times. Um, it converted because I don't rounds. understand uh, when it's second and 14 and third and nine, you're checking down to the fullback, which is, you know, this is, it's a running joke because it is a running joke. Um, their inability. I mean, you know, I, you, they were one for 13 on third downs and did not convert a third down after their opening drive. I mean, that's enough to get somebody fired. Um, clock management. Uh, clock, the, the, you know, it, it it befuddles coaches at all levels, particularly in the NFL. It's easy to sit on the couch and go, well, they should be doing this. And how are they not doing that? And what? Yesterday was an embarrassment and, 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 a, and a continuation 
of the Vikings' inability to either take advantage of time left and timeouts in their pocket or an inability to put together – well, I mean, look, Cousins has put together plenty of game-tying, game-winning drives this season because he's been pushed to the brink. That stretch of luck finally ended last night. Uh, the way that game ended, the way the half ended, uh, that's enough to get somebody fired. Mike Zimmer calling consecutive timeouts to, con- you know, let, let's break that down for a minute. The Cowboys are facing, I believe it was third and 16 on that game winning drive. Vikings call timeout, get their bearings together, then call timeout again, which is illegal, of course. And you turn that third and 16 into third and 11. That's when Zeke Elliott makes his great run, breaking nine tackles, and then puts sets up a first and goal. That decision right there, you could say, cost them a game. And that is Mike Zimmer's decision. An eighth-year NFL head coach, an inability to manage the clock. Kirk Cousins at the end of the half, running around like a chicken with his head cut off, receivers having nowhere to line up clock running. Oh, by the way, you have a timeout. And then he says after the game, yeah, I kind of let Zim and the coaches handle that because I'm not really sure what they want to do. You know, for somebody who's earning $84 million and is supposedly a team leader, it might not be a bad idea to maybe take the initiative once in a while when you're managing the clock and not worry about what they're going to say to you in today's film review. Clock management, I think, is... um, I mean, they manage the clock like grandpa on the on the on the porch, just swatting flies with no sense of urgency and no sense of time. And it's just nonsense. Yeah. And I think that what you're looking for with all these things is it, not a huge ask from, like you said, very experienced and highly paid people, people who have gotten contract extensions. And I don't just mean Kirk Cousins. I mean, Mike Zimmer, that this offseason uh, or last off season, they decided to give him a contract extension and keep doing this. They gave him a short contract extension so they wouldn't have to pay out just in case. At, but still, they had seen a sample size of these things happening and decided to go forward with it. And you go back to that 2019 playoffs, Murph, that's the last time they're above 500 as a football team. I mean, that it's just crazy to think about that that win in New Orleans, we all have the sense that, you know, after that, uh, that, you know, this whole thing might just, you know, go sideways because they had so many pieces of the 2017 team to try to replace. And they're just not good enough at coaching and quarterbacking and offensive coordinating to say, oh, well, we could just replace a whole roster. We could just sign a bunch of guys in free agency. We could just draft alignment. Oh, by the way, we could just move a right tackle to right guard. No, you can't. Like not, not with this quarterback, not with a quarterback who needs everything to be perfect for him. Not with a Zimmer who needs his defense to lead all of the victories because that's how he wants to manage a football game. And I have long thought that this pairing between Zimmer and cousins is about as bad as you get for a franchise quarterback and a head coach. And then we see the shots across the bow at each other. And then you bring in an offensive coordinator who has as much experience calling plays as you and me. And and then you say, okay, it's a win now year with all the pressure on all of us. And this guy is going to, and, and Gary's son is going to be the offensive coordinator. But I, I do come back to though, that what happened last night, I have a really tough time saying 
when Adam Thielen is running across the middle of the field wide open uh, and he checks down to CJ Ham. I don't know there's any play you call that that takes that out of Cousins. And there is no world where Clint Kubiak drew up two passes to Justin Jefferson the whole night. There's no world where that happened. So I just have a tough time always saying, it's the offensive coordinator, it's the offensive coordinator. Well, how many offensive coordinators are you going to blame, right? With the Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, they've already... Zimmer already tossed Norv Turner and John D. Filippo and essentially the old man Kubiak. I don't know if he tossed him overboard. I think maybe the old man just said, I don't want to, I'm, I'm done with this and hand it over to Clint. Uh, yeah. He's running out of scapegoats, you know, uh, he's, he's at, at times he's, he's, uh, you know, rolled his eyes at some of Rick Spielman's moves. He's definitely rolled his eyes, rolled his eyes at, at, at Kirk cousins. I mean, Again, I, I point to the poor clock management that's on a head coach uh, and, you know, calling consecutive timeouts, which, by the way, didn't they just do that in Carolina? Oh, oh by the way, I mean, how did that self-scouting go? Don't call timeouts consecutively or don't call ones you don't have. Isn't that what they did? They that did. was Sheldon Richardson, I believe, a few weeks ago, right? Calling a timeout they didn't have. Correct. I, I, you know, this is what is you work on in OTAs in May is, you know, the two minute drill and how, how these, if you, if your team and your coaches are unprepared for the moment and cannot execute during the moment, then you should not be in these positions. I mean, the, the, these are egregious mistakes that leave terrible tastes in people's mouths because you look at a team that has the talent that it does. I don't know when cousins took over at the end of the second quarter was there like 35, 40 seconds left. One timeout, he ends up running around, not not getting it done, and then taking a knee. I mean, even with one second left, just throw the damn thing down the field. You know, at least show that we care. Take a knee and slink off to the locker room under a, a, a rain of booze. I mean, it just, again, it's the playing not to lose, playing scared, playing without confidence, it, it, you can't survive in the alpha male world of the NFL playing like that. And, and the Vikings for too long this season in particular, but as again, we go back to January of uh, 2020 uh, back to that game against uh, new Orleans. They have been, I think 10 and 15 or 10 and 14 since then they are a bad team. I don't know about you guys, but I've gotten very good in my life at admitting when I need some help. If you are struggling to figure out how to navigate workers' compensation and disability laws, I've got a team that can lend you a hand. Kemet, Samford, and Kramer are dedicated and experienced disability attorneys, so if you find yourself on your company's injury report, Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer Law can help you understand your rights under Minnesota's workers' compensation laws. Their team of disability attorneys have secured their clients tens of millions of dollars in unpaid and denied benefits. They can help you fight wrongfully denied work comp claims, or if your claim has been accepted, they can assist with rehabilitation or medical disputes, help you get a second opinion, or ensure that you're getting everything you're entitled to. Mike, Pat, and Evan will take care of all the legal aspects of your case while you focus on what's most important, that's your recovery. There is no fee or cost for reaching out to them. You do not pay a single cent unless they are successful in obtaining your benefits. So make sure to go to their website, yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com. That is yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com. 
This has been an attorney advertisement for Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, now we've gotten to the point where the factoids start to add up uh, where like I gave it last night, but they've played eight games against winning teams on primetime since Kirk Cousins got here. They're 0 and 8. Mm-hmm. And like you just said, you know, you start adding up the records and going back to when was the last time that we thought this football team was any good. And even if you go all the way back to 2019 and think about week 16 of 2019, where ownership is in the building. They're playing against the Green Bay Packers. We did the thing that we just did last week about all the hype and all the buildup. And, oh, gosh, this is the big game. They've got a chance to still win the NFC North if they take down the Packers at home. How exciting is this? And then everybody shows up to the stadium, and they get run out of the building by a team of the good defensive line. And then after that, we were talking about the possibility of a coaching change. We have been talking about the possibility of a coaching change here si- since two years ago. And and, I, and it's almost remarkable to me that every time we get to that point, like we did as they were going into the Detroit game of, hey, I mean, if they lose to Detroit, that team is truly awful and they could make a change. Oh, they get a last second win. Okay, we'll just survive another week. Oh, man, if they blow this game against Carolina, they're two and four. We might see a change. Uh, they get a last second win and okay, we'll survive another week. And then because they played well in the second half against Carolina, even you got excited about the offense of the second half in Carolina. Yeah. And once again, every time you start to climb that roller coaster of, all right, we've got to the top and, you know, they're going to stay there offensively. uh, You go right back down the other side. And so now you wake up and look at the standings and here are the teams that the Minnesota Vikings have the same amount of wins. There's a lot of three win teams in the NFC. Tell me if you're impressed. Uh, San Francisco who's had their quarterback hurt at times. The Falcons who are the Falcons, the Eagles who I thought were tanking. Seattle, who doesn't have their quarterback, Chicago, who's playing a rookie quarterback, and um, their special teams coach is a better head coach than Matt Nagy. Um, Not exactly the company that you wanted at this point. And after last night, it's just very hard to believe in a turnaround. So let me ask you this, Murph. If, If Mark and Ziggy came up to you, Murph, and said, we got a call from the Texans about Kirk. They want to give us picks. They want to they want to give us a bunch of stuff. You think we should do it or you think we should play out the rest of the year with Cousins? Well, the first thing I would say is what what kind of retainer are you going to pay me? Because uh, <laughs> if you're if you're soliciting my unwanted advice, I'm going to get paid for it. Um so we do here. Uh well, first of all, the Texans are not just going to be unloading picks. They're going to be unloading a a potential criminal uh, <laughs> onto the roster as well. So I I I would not want to engage with the Texans right now. Okay, I picked a random team. Okay. Um well, give me the give me the bevy of picks. Um and and cuz what, tomorrow's the deadline, right? Yeah. I don't think at 3 and 4 they're going to throw in the towel because they are middling enough to still be in contention. 
Um, here's where I think it's really going to pivot. Um, we've been talking for weeks about this murderous four-game stretch, which just started last night. You know, Dallas was immediately vulnerable because Prescott wasn't going to play. That's a lost opportunity. Baltimore was humbled a bit at home last week by Cincinnati. So you wonder, you know, and I, I think they're going to be coming back a little enraged about that. But, you know, maybe there's some vulnerability in Baltimore. Chargers have suddenly lost two games in a row, and they looked awful against New England yesterday. So that game doesn't look as formidable as it did a couple of weeks ago. So, okay, let's say they split these two. Now the reckoning comes November 21st at home against guess who? The boogeyman Aaron Rodgers and your border rival, the Green Bay Packers. I have a strange feeling that this may come to a head after that game. I have a feeling they're going to get smoked at home again. They're going to get owned by Rodgers and owned by their division rivals. Because, look, Green Bay's surging. They've won seven straight since looking awful on opening night. I don't think there's anybody that's going to get in their way in this division now. I mean, they, you know, you're, you're looking at 13, 14 wins probably with them. If the Vikings don't show up or get schooled badly at home, that may be when the change comes. I think they're going to hang on here for a couple of more weeks because they're mathematically in it. And as we said several times, you're going to hand the reins to Andre Patterson. It's a lost season. You still got some gates you want to get at home. You don't want U.S. Bank Stadium overrun like it was last night by more visiting fans and more, you know, bitter Vikings fans staying at home. I think they're going to they're going to ring every bit of cliche and we're still in this out of a 3 and 4 mark. Let's say they split the next two, you know, you're at what? 4 and f- uh, 4 and 5. The reckoning comes against Green Bay. Well, the reason I was bringing up Cousins and the trade is because of the trade deadline and it's sort of like if you had to decide now that this is your fate is go- sections of football that go three and three or four and three or whatever for the rest of the way. And an eight and nine season now seems almost just like uh, their fates, right? Because they'll win some of these games. One of the next two, they'll probably win. I could even see them beating green Bay um, here at home because it's home. And you know, Zimmer knows Aaron Rodgers well and everything mm-hmm. else. I, I mean, look, they, they've done it before. They've done it before where they're not as good as the Packers and they still get one out of two. I mean, that usually ends up happening, you know, in those division games. But my point just being that if you had to call it now with the quarterback and say, look, you can go through all the stats and you could say, yeah, he's a good quarterback and, and so forth. But the ultimate results over a hundred plus games are this. I mean, I talked to a guy who's a former NFL scout not that long ago whose team looked closely at Kirk Cousins. And you know what he said? He said, games like what happened last night, that's why our team didn't pursue him. Because there's just too many times where you get completely let down uh, in, in, in bigger moments or in pivot points in your season or uh, when the other team has a good pass rusher. And that seems to be uh, the kryptonite for Kirk Cousins. If the other team starts to get sort of in his area, then he's just going to check it to CJ Ham, And that's why their team decided not to pay him. And his, this person's team went on to draft a quarterback and is a good team now. So uh, anyway, the point just being that if you were willing to look at this quarterback and say, you know what, 
there's really nothing else we need to see here. This is a huge sample. It's the same stuff over and over. It's, oh, look, they played the Lions and put up a bunch of stats. And, oh, look, they had to actually come through in a big game, and they didn't. Over three, four years, good opponents you can't match up with. Would you call it now, or would you want to see the rest of this thing is, well, is the question. From a pure football standpoint, um. I think it might, yeah, I think you know who Cousins is, and if you can get some value for him, maybe that that's something that should be considered. But there's more than just football stakes here. You've got 10 weeks left in the season. Um, you are you're essentially going to wave the white flag in front of the world if you were to do that. Yep. And you basically put Zimmer in a box as a dead coach walking. Yeah. And I think what you have is a 10-week – slog to the end of the season that nobody because draft picks can't play draft picks give you potential in april i don't know what kind of product you're selling over the next 10 weeks and i don't think as an organization the vikings can really afford to do that now you could say that how can they afford not to do that i get what you're saying but it's more than just football considerations um it's it's um it's optics uh, you're going to lose the locker room. You're going to lose the fan base. You're going to lose your coach. And it, I, I think you're going to look like the Lions uh, from now until January if that happens. And that could be uglier. I, I don't know if that's a price that's worth paying from the pure analytical standpoint of it might be the right football move to make at this moment. Yeah, I just you're right about that. And you do have to sell the gates the rest of the way. Um, but, you know, I, I guess the question is the, the question inside of the question that I'm asking you is really, is there some way to fix this? A- and that's where it feels like. No, it's baked in. Yeah, that's I mean, is there a way to fix what happens to Cousins? Is there a way to fix what happens to Zimmer in these games? Is there a way to fix the inexperience of Clint Kubiak? Probably not. Is there? But that's the thing is that. When we go through, and, and I've done this a, a thousand times now, you look at, you go back. I remember this was John Filippo. This feels very 2018-ish, where every time they seem to get something, it was like gone in an instant. Um, where you would look at the tape and you'd be like, oh, that week where they played pretty well, there were some good ideas here. And then the next week, when the, the offense would do nothing, you go like, where, where did it all go? Were the ideas still there and they weren't executed? Or does DiFilippo not know what he's doing? Or what is it? Uh, DiFilippo was the one guy who tried to lean into Cousins. Now they act like he's Cooper Rush. In fact, it Mike McCarthy trusted Cooper Rush more than Mike Zimmer trusted Kirk Cousins. But is that because Mike Zimmer sees Cousins playing like that and goes, oh gosh, it's happening again. I can't trust him. I can't put the pedal down. It's like neither person can trust each other. It's it would be like this in a relationship. She thinks you're cheating on her and you think she's cheating on you and you keep sneaking peeks at each other's phones all the time and staring across the room at each other like, you know, I don't I don't believe where where were you? And then she said, "Well, where were you?" And that's that's Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins. They've there's never been any synergy, but there's like super duper not synergy at this point. And I guess that's my question is, do you just trade the quarterback? Do you just fire the coach? Do you fire the OC? Or do you just let it burn? 
No, you have kids because that'll always fix the relationship. <laughs> yeah, right. um, I that's a contract extension for both, though, right? You're right. Like we knew they did, these yeah, problems, right. and they the children have not kids. helped. It only makes it worse. Um, yes, I, I, I am, I am concurring with that. We, we know everything we need to know about Kirk Cousins as an NFL quarterback and as a Vikings quarterback. We know everything we need to know about Mike Zimmer as a defensive coordinator and an NFL coach. It's all right there. There is really no, uh, but there's, there isn't to me there, are they unable to improvise and adjust or are they unwilling? And I'm asking this of both of them. I don't know. Either way, it, 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 the results are the same, but is it stubbornness or fear? You know, is it, is it an inability to, as you say, mutually trust each other? Is it an unwillingness to do that? And, you know, you can almost probably sense, because we've used the score as a cliche, but, you know, when Joseph kicks that 24-yard field goal with 250 left, you almost can probably think of Zimmer like, this is perfect. This is the exact kind of game I want to coach. 16 to 13, the game is now in the hands of my defense against an unproven quarterback at home. This is how the Minnesota Vikings are going to win. This is how we're going to be successful because it's 1984 every day in my head, but it's not that way. And they were, that hubris was stripped to the studs last night. And on top of that, you could almost pinpoint the fact that yes, you know, the, the, the Cowboys caught a break on the sideline pass that was bobbled, but you know, Hey, but Sean Breland, you know, for, for as arrogant as he is, you know, it's it, it's not illegal to wrap your hands around the ball, too, and make a play. But, yes, it bounces up to Cooper. They extend the drive. Mike Zimmer called consecutive timeouts, or at least he called the second timeout, turning a third and 16 into a third and 11. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott gets what? 12 yards on that huge run, breaking tackles, yep. setting up first and goal. You know the Cowboys were playing for a game-tying field goal. They did not say, Cooper Rush, go win us this game. It was, don't turn it over, get the ball in the center in the field, bleed as much clock as possible, let's roll the dice in overtime. But no, a critical mistake by, by a head coach in his eighth year shrank the margin of error even further for the Vikings and here we are talking about a 20 to 16 loss. Well, it also shows you that you're right. You just cannot win with defense because somebody on the offensive side is going to break a tackle or make a play eventually. If on that keep, kind of a talented team, absolutely. Right. If you if you keep the other team in the game, even with Sam Darnold and Carolina, like they had a couple of decent receivers. They didn't want to catch the ball until the very last drive, but you kept them in the game long enough. And going forward, who's the team that's just going to melt in that situation who has no playmakers? Like, no, they all do. Like, Hollywood Brown is coming up next, and Keenan Allen is after that. Like, every team has good receivers that's, like, a competitive football team, has good receivers, has playmakers. And Adam Thielen seemed very upset last night, which uh, at least somebody did. Uh, and he was talking about we we just can't keep letting these teams hang around and hang around and hang around. And, you know, something else came to my mind last night is that Stefan Diggs was probably watching, right? If St Stefan Diggs is the rightest Mr. Right guy who's ever been right about anything, he's There's the rightest writer who is ever right. Everything There's that he thought was right. 
Truth in all rumors, Matthew. There's truth, truth in, in everything Stefan Diggs thought because he's a smart guy. He knew the truth about both of them, about Zimmer and about Cousins. And I know that it was never fully about Cousins with Diggs. But he's also, since he's gone to Buffalo, said, man, it's nice to have a guy who's a playmaker. Nice as a guy who can, you know, fire it in there to me when I'm covered, can run around a little, right? So there's been those subtle kind of comments. But he knew that if you don't trust your quarterback and if you don't play an aggressive form of football when you have great wide receivers, you just aren't going to win consistently. And that's why he wanted out. And now he's on a team that could win the Super Bowl as him as the number one receiver who they throw to all the time. And he was maybe his brother will be covering him in that Super Bowl too. (laughs) Could be, could be, although he might be a touch overrated because of the picks, but I mean, just, yeah, I mean, that came to my mind is his issue with that team was if we don't throw the top receivers, the football, if we don't find a way to do that. And if we don't have a quarterback, who's going to be, able to consistently make plays when things break down. I'm just not ever going to win. And he wanted to win. And now he's with a team that wins. And uh, so that's why I was talking about, you know, is there a button to push or is there, or is it time to just call it and say, you know, make a change here. Um, But, you know, I was, here's another question, Murph, to wrap up on. Um, If Sean Payton is coaching the Minnesota Vikings, how many wins do they have? This season or overall? This season. At least five. I mean, look what he did yesterday. That's what I mean. I mean, against Tom Brady. And and he's had a great record of success against Tampa over the years. Um, Sean Payton's also been a head coach for 12 or 13 years. You don't survive that long without being able to improvise. Yeah, he had Drew Brees for all those years. Uh, But he's been successful with Jameis Winston. Then he loses Winston. And... You know what? Who was the guy? Simeon. But who's the guy that they brought in yesterday? Trevor Simeon. Trevor yeah. Simeon. Right. Thank you very much. Uh, they 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 take down the defending Super Bowl champions, and I I just yes, it just it, it feels like everything has to line up perfectly. The Vikings have to catch every break. They have to have every call go their way. Which, by the way, last night they did. I don't want to hear any complaining about officiating yesterday. Oh, by the way, the, the kicking game has been solid. Since Arizona, what do we have? We have break, poor clock management, lack of confidence in your quarterback, and an inability to improvise and adjust on the fly. You're not going to win in the NFL. You're not going to survive in the NFL that way. Sam Ekstrom here, wondering if you're stuck on your company's injury report. In an unfortunate situation like that, it's good to have someone in your corner. That's where Kemet Sanford and Kramer Law can help you understand your rights under Minnesota's workers' compensation laws. There's enough uncertainty in our lives nowadays that the last thing you want is to feel helpless if you wind up in a bad situation after a workplace injury. Kemet Sanford and Kramer will fight for you if there's been a wrongfully denied work comp claim so you can get the benefits you deserve. If your claim's been accepted, they help with rehabilitation disputes, medical disputes, help you get a second opinion, and ensure you're getting all the benefits you're entitled to on an accepted claim. Kemet Sanford and Kramer will provide you a dedicated and experienced disability attorneys that have secured their clients tens of millions of dollars. Our good friends Mike, Pat, and Evan will handle all that messy legalese to and from the insurance company about your claim while you focus on what's important, your recovery. 
and there's no cost involved for reaching out to Kemet Sanford and Kramer. In fact, you don't pay a dime unless they successfully obtain your benefits. You get paid, then they get paid. It's that simple. The website is yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com where you can find a phone number to get a free consultation. This is an attorney advertisement from Kemet Sanford and Kramer, yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com. Yeah, so, I mean, fundamentally, I'm not certain that you can never, in fact, I am certain that you can't coach the Kirk Cousins game out of Kirk Cousins because many have tried and all have failed. I mean, if even Stefanski and Kubiak and going back farther, Sean actual McVay uh, Mm. could not coach this out of Kirk Cousins, then I don't think that anybody can. But it wasn't too much to ask for this season through seven games when all of them have been winnable, literally all of them to be better than three and four and to make a, a, a season out of this, where you're not fighting with Philadelphia and Atlanta for position, but you're fighting with the Packers with your it's a, once again, here we are the third straight year where the Packers seem like they're in a different world than you. And that was not supposed to be how this went. And if they had gone to four and three, and this is when you have a small sample size of 17 games, how it works if you'd gone to four and three, no matter how, by any means, it would have felt like season on. All right. Now you can chase down some of these teams. Winston's out for the year. You could chase down these teams. You could get the six seed. You can be competitive. You can make, make a year out of this. And at three and four with the Ravens chargers and Packers and no answers. It's like, I don't know, man. I mean, this is, it's a week to week league as they say Murph. So they could beat the Ravens, but um, if you are capable of losing to Cooper Rush at home on Sunday night football, it's really hard to say that anything's going to be different as you play a bunch of good teams down the stretch. And that's what they want us to keep buying. You know, that's the product they're selling is that we're just, we're not that far away. Just a few things to clean up. Do you think, only. do you but think that it, changes now though? After this, do you think well, that, I'd like that, to, that, I'd that like message to changes? Some more account, I would like to hear some more accountability today. Uh, from Zimmer. I don't know how many players are going to talk, but uh, as we were talking off air, I mean, uh, the one defensive player that was made available to the media yesterday, Xavier um, Woods, you know, yeah, very convenient. He had a really nice game, but he's also not a captain. He's also not a leader. I mean, where's Eric Hendricks? Where's Anthony Barr? Where's Harrison Smith, who, by the way, was pretty conspicuously absent yesterday. Um, Yesterday, the whole season. Well, yeah, for the whole season. Um, you, you know, where is the outrage there? And here's the thing, fans, you know, I don't want to get on my media pedestal here as a part-timer, but you sit there and say, we don't need the locker room open. It's all cliches. Nobody cares what any of these guys say after a loss anyway. Well, without an open locker room, nobody could go ask anybody what the hell is going on. How do you feel about laying an egg like that? Um, that's where Harrison Smith, that's where Eric Hendricks, that's where Everson Griffin that's where these guys are held accountable and give an explanation for how you played so poorly at home. Instead, they get a free pass because they didn't want to voluntarily go out to face the bullets. So anyway, that's just my little speechifying well, there. And the, NFL, just, and the NFL is to blame for that because they hid yeah, behind it's not the Vikings fault. Yeah. I'm not blaming the team. Every other there. league is letting reporters in their locker rooms at this point, put yeah. on a mask and go. But the NFL it. doesn't have to because they are the NFL. So they right. don't feel like they need to, but I'm just, I'm just saying, I want to feel some more accountability. I want to feel some more anger. I want to feel some more urgency. I have not felt that. I have, a, I felt the fact that the Vikings 
have been leaning too hard on, but for a couple of plays, but for this, but for that, we're a lot better than our record indicates. There's a lot of positive things I can take out of that. I feel good about this. I feel good about that. No, strip it down to we should be embarrassed. We owe ourselves and everyone else a better effort and more accountability. That's what I want to hear in the next few days. Well, and what we've begun, I think, is the transition from, and this will really depend on what happens in Baltimore, because I think that will be full-fledged, it's on fire if they don't win that game. Um, Where where we started to tiptoe toward last night in the press conferences was, not my problem, not my fault, timeouts? I don't know. That guy handles those. Yeah. You know? Well, I don't know. They created some pressure against quarterback, so... What are you going to do? Good job to them. I mean, Zimmer said like they did a good job or what? It, it, it feels like we've always teetered on the edge of everybody pointing fingers. And last night the fingers weren't pointed, but they were sort of like ready to be fully. It's that guy's fault. It's that guy's fault. And this is what happens a little bit when you have a quarterback and a head coach that are at odds is, you know, they can push each other around excitedly after a win or whatever, but Uh, At the end of the day, they have been clashing for three years and they don't trust each other. They don't believe in each other. And they're always on the ready to look at each other and say, well, this was your fault. This was your fault. Well, maybe what they ought to do instead of hanging cats to be slaughtered around the locker room is put up a bunch of mirrors so everyone can look at it and have some. Those were stuffed cats, stuffed cats. I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry. It was was fake blood, too. Yeah, it's not. Those were, were not real cats i'm sorry you're right PETA after us on that right it wasn't Um, a cheap ploy to motivate men but no well let me ask you right now to put your um put your chips on the table before we wrap up i mean what do you think happens here give me the next couple of weeks what do you think happens i think they will split these two road games i'm not willing to say which one they're going to win i think uh well i mean i think it's imperative that they win in baltimore just to stop the bleeding again. And then, you know, I, I, but I think they have a better chance to beat the chargers than they would the Ravens. So you can't, you, you can't fly. I, let's just say they split these two. I think they're going to get smoked at home against green Bay. And I think that's when the reckoning comes. And I was looking at this too, cause I had covered the 2010 season when Childress got fired after getting blown out at home against green Bay. That date would, was also November 21st, I believe. So I don't know if there's some synergy coming along, but I, I think your your reckoning is coming at U.S. Bank Stadium November 21st, where they will be coaching for playing for their play, playoff lives. And Zimmer's going to be coaching again for his job. I'm not willing to hazard to guess what's going to happen that day, but it should be entertaining. Well, I, I think that you got to go two for three in these next couple of games. You have to finish this. No question. Hard, hard you got to be 500. Yeah, yeah, you have to. Yeah, you have to be 500. The problem is that if you had lost to Dak Prescott last night in disappointing fashion, I think we all would have been like, Forgiving. Forgiving. Okay. All right. Well, there's one down. You got to win the next. But the next two opponents aren't as tough as Dallas. Dallas could win the Super Bowl. That team is good. Um, I thought their defense was a little overrated coming in. They didn't play like it last night. They played great. Um, They have a lot of very talented people. So if they, but they had lost to Dak, you would have gone like, well, okay, that's the best, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And you hung right there. You could play with anybody, but now that whole, you could play with anybody. That's just like out the window. So we'll find out in the next few weeks, if they get two and two, 
If they beat the Packers, it's like I'm always looking for when is when are we going to call it, like you said, or when are we going to say, okay, season back on. I think if you win, if you, you know, end up with a two and two stretch out of these four games and you beat the Packers, then season back on. But now that hill is pretty steep to climb when you lost to Cooper Rush. So I'm thinking time of death may be called about 3.15 p.m. on Sunday, November 21st. <laughs> I, I, unless they flex it, then I'll go 6.15. <laughs> unless they flex it. Uh, Murph, uh, your article, What a Horror Show, um, is up at the website, purpleinsider.substack.com. You were built for this, Brian, and... Great stuff as always. I appreciate it. Well, now it. I got to, you know, on a personal note, I got to take my bye week next weekend. I will not yeah. be chronicling the Ravens game. Um, I'm turning 50 next Saturday. So Congratulations. I, I and the wife, the wife and I are going to Charleston, South Carolina to relax. And uh, I might steal a glance at my phone a little bit, but uh, I will probably be incommunicado. So uh, we'll, we'll catch back up after the Chargers game. Yep. Very nice. Uh, professional Paul will fill in for you. Uh, with the, the Baltimore game. So I appreciate your time as always, and we'll talk to you soon, Brian. All right, sounds good.